Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with Dennis Bostic, and we're going to talk about floating as we usually do. Before we get started, I'm going to give a shout out to the flotationlocations.com, which is a sponsor of the iFlow Radio podcast. It's a great website for finding locations where you can float. So if you're trying to figure out where it is that you can float, go to flotationlocations.com and you'll find the closest place to you as well as some other resources on floating. And the other sponsor of the iFloat Radio podcast is the Mental Arts Network, mentalartsnetwork.com. The mission of Mental Arts is to help people use floating as a tool for understanding thought. And Mental Arts offers classes in programming and metaprogramming where people can identify and modify patterns in their mind, and it stems from the work of John C. Lilly. The classes are offered all throughout the year. The introductory classes are offered online, so you can check out mentalartsnetwork.com, learn more about how you can use floating as a tool for understanding thought and where it is that you can access these classes to make changes and modifications in your own life. And with that, we're going to get started because this is an exciting podcast. I'm sitting here with Dennis. And Dennis, when did you first start coming here? Well, let's say this is my fourth float. I think it's more than your fourth float. Fifth. Probably fifth or sixth. Do you want to talk about how it is that you ended up here? Well, a friend of mine told me that I need it. <laughs> and I. How, how did you stumble sure across this friend? Well, it's Alicia. We'll call her Alicia because that's her name. So Alicia's an eye floater. Basically, I was driving down I-95 one day. I was getting tired of driving, so I pulled off the road and I found myself in East Haven. And I was on the green in East Haven and I noticed the old stone church. The old stone church is significant because prior to our getting married, we met with that minister. You know, before you get married, you meet with the minister, you and talk when, about the future. And when was that? That was uh, prior to June 1972. And talk a little bit about why you chose that church, if you don't mind, because I think it's, I think it's pretty important. Well, I chose that church because, for one, it's an old church, very old church. I think it was built in 1772 or four around that time. Um, I'm a restoration contractor, so I look for old things. And the stone on that church is particularly beautiful. It's a dark brown stone, which you don't see, literally, a brown stone that you don't see elsewhere. And it's right on the green, and it's a, it's a uh, congressional church. Congregational, right? Congregational, Excuse yeah. Congregational. That's okay, I, I go to a congregational church, so it's like my duty to you know say that just to give a shout out to the congregationalists as opposed to congress as opposed to congress yeah (laughs) congress is okay too but (laughs) anyway i met back in 72 my wife and i met or my girlfriend and i met with that minister 
he's no longer there, of course, but uh, in the foyer there are pictures and names and dates of ministers that have uh, tended that flock, as they say. So as I was walking around this church... But just just to interject, because I think it's, it's relevant, because this is what you told me, which is that, that you were an interracial couple and the other churches in the area wouldn't marry you. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, that, that seems pretty powerful. Um, the powerful Catholic, Catholic church priest uh, wouldn't even talk to us. And that's curious, because my wife was raised Catholic. And we went to that church first. Generally speaking, children are raised in their mother's faith. It seems to be commonplace. From there, we went to Clinton Navy Zion Church. That's a African Methodist Zion Church. Clinton Navy Zion, which is my family's church. Both churches are in Ansonia, Connecticut. And they weren't too pleased either to uh, marry interracial couples in 1972. Very close to the 60s, you know, turbulent time in the States. So a friend of ours uh, told us that they knew of a minister that would gladly speak with us. And it happened to be this Matson, I believe that's his last name, at the Congregational Church in East Haven. So we went there. Sure enough, we sat and talked for a couple of hours. And he wanted to know the the answers to questions like, suppose you have children. How are you gonna how are you gonna handle that? So I looked at my wife or my girlfriend. And I looked at him and I said, Well handle it the same way we handle anything. Our children will be strong in character. They'll be able to handle what comes their way. So he looked at me and looked at Sharon and he asked a few more questions that he thought were pertinent. And he got the answers that he deserved or that I thought he needed. And it went well. It went well as could be expected. Well, in, in, in Ireland, they would say fair play to him. They'd say fair play because that's, that's really awesome that he, that, he took, that he did that, that he welcomed you in and facilitated the whole process for you. And fair play to the two of you, too, for, for saying, hey, you know what? Our love is deeper than all this bullshit out here. Certainly. Yeah. I was quite pleased that we finally found someone. This was important to both of us at the time. But it turned out that he was there at the ceremony, and so was my uncle, who's a minister of the Protestant faith, as well. So now let's fast forward to just uh, about a month and a half ago, about a month and a half, two months ago, when you were driving through East Haven. And was it true also that earlier in the morning, because you know, we might chat about this a little bit later, that, that during this period that you've been developing, this, this early morning period of just reflecting on yourself, did you get any kind of intuition that day to go to uh, the church? Or was it just as you were driving down uh, that you decided to stop over and, and stop into the church, however many, that would have been more than 30 years later. Right. Because you hadn't been to the church in decades, right? I've not been back to the church since 1972. 
So anyways, you ended up... It wasn't a requirement to join the church, (laughs) just to speak with a minister. But, uh, yes, if I've been reflecting, I've been reflecting because of some health issues that I went through recently. That makes you stop and pause and think about what's important in your life. And to be perfectly plain, I, in July, July 10th, so... I was diagnosed with prosthetic cancer. And it's a process. So, September 16th, I had it removed. Surgically removed through Da Vinci Robotic Surgery here in Bridgeport, Iowa. That sounds very, that's an interesting name. Da Vinci Robotic Surgery, huh? Wow. That's the name of the robot. That's the robot. Wow. Or perhaps the process again. When I think of, when I hear Da Vinci robotic surgery, I'm thinking of it being some, taking place in a room surrounded by beautiful art or something. But I don't think that's probably what happened, right? Or you might not remember. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's just a great name. It's a great name. I'm sure it's an amazing robot. It is. uh, (laughs) Actually, the operator of the robot saved my life. Yeah. Dr. Arthur Pinto. The chief of urologicals, the Euro, urology, urology group at uh, Bridgeport Hospital. Yeah, it's a great hospital. Another friend of mine was recently treated there for a cancer type of cancer, and the treatment that she received there was just outstanding. She said, "I had the same experience. So the same day that I had surgery on the sixteenth, September sixteenth." I went in at 6.30 in the morning. I was done. My wife tells me by, I was in recovery by noon. Uh, by 6 o'clock that night, I was walking around the room. That's amazing. By 9 o'clock that night, I was walking down the hall and back to my room. Because I knew if I could walk, I'd get out of this place. Basically, that's my, my uh, recent past my medical training. I know that if you can walk and body functions holds you up. So my intent was to walk until I got up. So the next day, the Wednesday, Tuesday, rather, I walked uh, down the hall and back four times. As I was walking back the third time, the uh, surgeon's assistant walked up to me and said, what are you doing? If I can walk, I can get out of here. She says, well, how do you feel? Female PA, physician's assistant. She said, how do you feel? I feel fine. I was on clear liquids at that time, and uh, they gave you different criteria that you have to meet these goals if you want to go home. I don't know that you need to know those exact criteria. Are there different criteria if you give them a bribe? Like you move over to column B, and it's easier? (laughs) A little bit of grease? Let's just say your bodily functions have to work. You gotta keep the halls clean. Yeah. Keep the halls clean <laughs> on your way out, you can leave. And you have to be, <laughs> you have to make some noise, let's put that <laughs> They have to know this gas, this, this carbon dioxide that they pumped into your abdomen is releasing somehow. Oh, good. good. They don't get it all out when they, they open the mouth. It takes, takes a few hours or days yeah. or something. At least today. <laughs> they know, they just check them out. That works, that works, that works. Anyway, the, Long and short of it is, I was released. I could go home at noon the next day. 
and the the only the only thing I really had was uh, a two inch incision near my navel, uh, and four other little holes, I guess, where the instruments are inserted, and little or no pain. Wow! The second day I was on no no pain medication, even though they give you codeine, you know, some type of codeine derivative. I didn't need it because I didn't have any pain. That's amazing. I mean, my father had gone through a similar surgery, not with a robot, but it, it, he didn't recover that quickly. He recovered relatively quickly, but nowhere near that fast. Wow. So I was so, out of there the next day, and uh, that bottle of pain medication just got flushed because I didn't carry it. it yeah, basically, I didn't need it. So yeah, I was reflecting on what's important in life, and I've I realized that uh, my business, my, my work, really isn't what's important in life. It's about my relationships. So to answer your question, from being getting a new lease of life, perhaps, I thought I might get a new lease on my marriage. Because <laughs> I put my wife through a lot since July. And she's right there by my side, though. Now, talk talk a little bit before you get into that uh, about what you told me on the first day you came here was that you, because of this this experience you had with the cancer and the surgery, that you've become more intuitive. Can you talk a little bit about that in terms of like what that means? Uh, you have a tendency to when you figure that I'll line up to back up a little bit. When you think about being spiritual, some some type of spiritual thought. That there's more to life than this physical being. I mean there's more that affects you as an individual. Right? Absolutely. And when you're in the dark or when you're in your sleep or even when you're floating you're in the dark. You have a tendency to focus on yourself and forget about the exterior. I was reflecting on what was important in my life. My marriage was important. And I wanted to, her to know that. Yeah. And, and was that what inspired you in part to go to the church that day? Like that, that piece there somehow? You think? I think so. And you ended I up... I was... Seems odd, but I think I was led there to, because it coincided with what I was thinking about. Yeah, I mean, you, you're thinking about your relationship with your wife and, and the challenges that, that you've been experiencing and therefore the relationship. And here you find yourself at the church decades later, about a month and a half ago. So this would be like probably late October, early November. And you stumble upon a woman who happens to be volunteering there that day, right? Close. She was actually charging her electric car across oh, okay. the street. I didn't know that. I thought she was volunteering at the church. So you met a woman. I was. Who was I'll tell you how it went. I was. I walked around the church in front of and I looked at the building, how it was built, how it was added on over the years. And I tried the door because you now when we were kids, church doors were open. Another sign of the times is all doors are locked. 
can't just walk to a church and talk to a minister. Like you just can't do that. Text them or call them on the phone. Your note is is repeat. Yeah, sure. Talk to or her if you are congregationalist. <laughs> Just had to add that in there. <laughs> so, uh. My pastor is a female here in Westport. Yeah. Even that didn't occur back then. Mm-hmm. A lot of changes. A lot of changes, yeah. 40, 40 years. Um. It was important to show my wife. It's not always about the words, but it's important to show they're important to you, but they is. Not just my wife, my sons, my mother, family, my sibling. Uh, the Indians say a play, which means it has to do with relationships. So that's why you went to the church. That was the beginning of this plan to, which we'll talk about, but the renewal of your vows with your wife, right? And the woman across the street helped you get into the church. Is that right? Or something? That's correct. I was walking around the church and I thought, well, I can't get in. I may as well leave. And I heard this voice from behind me. Did and you want to get into an angel, church? An angel's voice, right? <laughs> I heard the voice of an angel. <laughs> It was angelic. That's <laughs> <laughs> my state of mind. An angel's voice in the form of a human with an electric car. <laughs> <laughs> she said, did you want to get into the church? And I said, well, yeah. Like, do you have a key? <laughs> you know? So she starts walking. She starts walking because there was a couple of guys getting out of a car in the back of the church. So I followed her. And Chatted a little bit. It's to these two gentlemen. She says, uh, "You want us in the church?" And it turns out the guy was a caretaker or a custodian in the church. So, you know, so Why do you want to get in the church? You just want to see the inside. Why would anybody ask me when they want to get in the church? Isn't it obvious? Yeah, they want to get closer, closer to you know God and everything. That would have been the answer. At least in his house. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So the, uh, he led us in the church. He said, what do you want to look at? I said, the sanctuary. <laughs> you know, the place where people worship. <laughs> you find that many of the congregational churches are very similar in design. Yes, they're very, very simple. Very simple. Yeah. And well built. Good foundation. My dad always says you need good foundation no matter what you or makeup. <laughs> Dad didn't talk about makeup. <laughs> but point well taken. Foundation's foundation, you know. I mean, come on. <laughs> you should say well that on Dad. But it amazes me how these churches have built they lasted for so long. That's the character of the individual. They seem to build in churches with architects. They're, they're thinking that it should last longer than that. 
know I built something. I built it to last longer than me. Yeah, stand the test of time. So you got not in there. Unlike, not unlike relationships. Not unlike relationships, exactly. Yep. So in that moment, you start. You you began a relationship with this angel named Alicia. And uh, how, how did you end up from there to here within the span of, I think, an hour? So you were in East Haven, and then all of a sudden you were walking through my door in Westport. <laughs> the two of you. Well, like I said, we were talking, and I was telling her how I restore old buildings. And she said, well, I look at old churches. I've been all through the Northeast looking at Visiting these different sites and looking at different churches. So then we got to talking about how congregational churches are, are everywhere. Most towns had to start with a church. In Connecticut, yeah. In the Northeast. Yeah, the Northeast. It wasn't a, a range hall, it was a church hall. The church hall, people would build a church, you know. So it goes on and on. So we started looking at different churches. I walked Mr. G and asked. She has an interest in history. I have an interest in the history of buildings. And I've never really joined the church. However, many of my family members, father, grandfather, several of my uncles are all ministers. And what was it that she said to you that inspired you to come down? Westworth. The Eiffel. Because she thought I was doing too much in my life. I should slow down. And she said to me, I think you ought to meet my friend David. You can meet David. Who's David? I gotta show you something. I gotta show you where it is. This is a great place, she says, in Westworth. This guy seems to. Seems to have the knack to get you to talk about yourself. <laughs> and I thought to myself, is this a good idea? No. Here I've just met this girl. Don't know her from me. And <laughs> She's taking me to the strange place. Take me to the strange place down in Westport. It sounds like an Apple product. <laughs> So you have retired or whatever, I can I can spend a little time and prove my inner being. So you can't. You she walked said that she said actually that I, I think you could use this this <laughs> And we were sitting here as when I came here and she said that I needed and you said I needed at the same time. And I'm thinking, what do I need? I guess I need to slow down. <laughs> well one of the things that, that happened for the people listening is is that you both walked in, and it was interesting because it, you walked in just as I think people were coming, leaving or something. But there was a space that I had, and, and we ended up just sitting down and having tea together. And one of the things that really came up was, was what you just talked about, about how you had had the, the prostate cancer and the surgery and how you have been spending a lot of time like in the mornings just reflecting. 
and you early morning. in the early morning you you sit alone in the dark and, and you get these insights and and that was one of the the big things that you were talking about because it's almost as though and I see this happening to people who float and not just people who have kind of powerful experiences like like uh, getting sick because what it does is it stirs up a lot in people and it, it begins to get them to look at what's important but but even at a deeper level there seem to be things like streaming through their mind in terms of like questioning the state of their of their relationships or the place that they hold in the world and so there was that piece that you were talking about which which seemed important because it appeared as though and it still does is that there there's just more things flowing through you and it's almost like you were trying to figure out what it all meant and then the other piece that you brought up was this the state of your marriage which you about um, before earlier in, in this podcast, you talked about how, in some ways, you've been you had been a bit difficult to, to deal with. That's that's certainly true. So there are these two pieces. There's the piece about the increased intuition, and then there's the piece of the, the increased frustration a little bit in terms of like how you were relating to to your wife. And one of the things I may have talked to you about was that that. That one of the, what we do here at iFloat, in addition to getting people to, to, to free up circuitry in their mind, is, is we educate people so that people can begin to build that bridge of like, what is it that's streaming through me? How can I, how can I understand how that's whatever that is that's trying to flow through me and let it express? Because if we don't, if, if there's something trying to express through us and we don't express it or we get confused and then we get frustrated and, and we end up, we end up lash, no, the word isn't lashing out at people, but we end up transmitting frustration to, to other people. And, and that's why when that was kind of being pointed at, uh, in addition to some of what we would call your, your neural programming, that such as perhaps the lack of impatience, I think that was one of them, where both Alicia and I were like, yeah, you need to flow. <laughs> and you're kind of looking around being like, what? And then, and then in came Devon, actually, who's a regular eye floater as well. And we're talking, he's like, yeah, you, you really need to float. <laughs> so you got it on all ends, you know, it's like. <laughs> and it was completely unplanned. It just, it just happened. Oh, yeah, sir, I think she's your marketing agent. Yeah, she's, she's my undercover marketing agent. In fact, she drives around in her electric car. She seems so innocuous, kind of just like, hey, you know, easy going. But really, she's, she's out there converting, converting people uh, to iFloat, to, to become iFloaters. The evangelical eye floaters. <laughs> but works, we so talked so. for like two hours that day. And, you know, one of the things, go back a little bit, uh, having been diagnosed and having that, you know, going through that process and taking care of that and being, being cancer free is one thing. And it relieves your mind somewhat, it relieves your pressure. I mean, I physically left, felt the pressure. He said you're cancer free. Okay, so that part is done. But what's left is internal. Internally, what's left is the need the need to settle in your own mind what you've gone through and how you're gonna to react to this do you. Now, there are different things that happen once you have your prostate different things that happen to a man that 
pause anchor. Frustration. Not knowing the outcome, it can be not good. Or it can be difficult. Not knowing the outcome after that you go off the device, it does generate some frustration and anger. And I think I was taking that out of my life, who I never took that sort of thing out of before. I've never yelled at my wife. I know you find that hard to believe, but. <laughs> I, I, did I say anything? <laughs> oh, that wasn't you. <laughs> I don't find it hard to believe. I mean, I, it's it's more just that. I mean, it, for the people listening, you know, it, what what we do or what I've done with Dennis is we, we chat about things, and and some of the things we've talked about is some of the frustration you've had. I think was where it was that you had certain expectations that were not grounded in reality in relation to your wife. And so it's almost kind of like your a piece that we've spoken about was like where you might say something to her and she would respond in a way where she was letting you know that the things that are happening to you physically are, are not what matter. And, and, but for you as a man, it was like, but it does matter because, because, because I'm, I'm a man and this is a part of my identity. And, and what she's saying is like, but it, it's not really what matters to me. And part of it, I think what we've talked about is to try to make that connection so you can really step into her point of view. And I think, I think, I'm not sure, but I think that in those places where you've been able to kind of loosen up and step into her point of view and really start to see things from her perspective, that that's alleviated a little bit of the frustration. Well, that's correct. Yeah. And you helped me with that. You know, and I appreciate that, by the way. You're welcome. Um, what has it been like since you started floating for you? I mean, or, or maybe the uh, the answer might be like, you know, what, why do you keep coming back? Um, and what, what's the, what has the impact been? The impact is dramatic because run businesses. Well, let's see. You run a business. I run a business. So I run more than one business. And there are only so many hours in a day. Coming here enables me to stop thinking about business. Stop thinking about those. I should stop thinking about those relationships, those things I need to do for business. Generate cash flow. That's just it's important in some way, but it's not the most important to me. For me, the most important is my relationship with my wife. I want her to know that. It's not whether I build a... Not whether I restore an old Victorian building, although that gives me satisfaction. But, uh, it's more important to me to restore my relationship. I said before that yelled at my wife since well, no, no. well we how we started our relationship as friends, just talking. Nothing else. And when you marry your best friend then everything builds on. And here we went forty two years without my yelling at her. Like I would yell at a contractor or somebody yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a kind of yelling of, of like let's resolve something, it was more of a kind of lashing out kind of yelling. Yes. A barking. Yeah. 
It wasn't like, let me raise my voice so you can hear me so we can work it out. It's like, it was a bark. It was a kind of like, rah. I, I realized that that hurt. Yeah. So I had to do something to change It's not always about the words. It's about the actions. <laughs> As you said, and that's true. It is a lot of communication. It's not about the actual word you use. You know, in management, they talk, they talk about uh, different methods of communicating. But they teach the user needs. Where in my house, you didn't use your hands to talk. You know, my mother used your words. But in public speaking, it's you got to draw a picture with your hands. It's, and it's more than just the hands, it's it's also the emotions and the beliefs that, that are that get transmitted through the actions as well. That's right, there's, there's many pieces to it. And so so what did you do to demonstrate to your wife that that, that the love that you have for her is there recently? I knew that I knew that she was feeling some frustration in my so one day I thought to myself, well, what do you guys do when you need to rekindle? Uh, so one day, after a normal day, I came home, she was in the kitchen doing something. And, you know, at my age, it's not hard to get down on your knees. So I thought on one day, she said to me, what are you doing? He do it down there in the tile floor. I said, Would you do me the honor of redoing our weapons? She waited. She said, Of course. And I thought, No, it's a yes or no question, babe. Just tell me what. <laughs> no, I didn't. The first part was true, the second part was true. She said, Of course. Which at the time felt real good because I couldn't stand any more negativity in my life. And looking within to establish a better relationship. So she said yes. And I thought, okay, so who's going to plan this? Want to plan this? She said, no, it's your idea. You plan it. <laughs> so, so I did. I'm going to stop you for a second there, though, because I know that, that in your second quote, I think you still hadn't asked her yet. I'm pretty sure. Or was there was either the first or the second one. But it was interesting that you came out. You came out with talked about how you had pain in your hands. I think or your feet. It was one of the two during the flow. And I talked about how the hands and the feet are related to goals. That's what we teach people about in terms of what John Lilly wrote about. Because our hands and our feet are the part of our bodies that access goals first. Whether it's going somewhere, you step onto the place first or you're trying to pick something up, or whatever it is, it's our hands and the feet that, that access the goal. So oftentimes, when people have pain in their hands and their feet, the question I ask them is, like, where is it that your, your goals might be a little bit off? Maybe there's a goal that you're meant to be having that you're, you're not fulfilling or something. And, and I remember mentioning that to you, but I didn't, didn't know what you were planning. And it wasn't until right before you were leaving I float, you were sitting putting your shoes on and you talked about how 
well, I've been thinking of maybe asking my wife to renew our vows. And then you 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 uttered something of, along the lines of some kind of an evasion, like, but I'm going to do it eventually or, or, or whatever, like, it's going to happen. And I, and I just made the connection and I said, well, you know, that pain in your hands maybe is related to that. Like maybe, maybe that's the goal that is supposed to be acted upon, like, soon. <laughs> it's something that will bulb went off in your head uh, there. And I think that it was shortly after that that you, that you put, it, put it into action. And the reason I say that is because I think it's important. And it's important because when we go into flow, those places where we evade, those places where we, we, we procrastinate doing things that are important for us to do, those go away when we're floating because we slow down so much in there. And so sometimes the messages that come through in terms of like a pain in the body or an image or different things, and part of my job is to help people make those connections. So if they're talking about something that went on, it's, it's my job to not tell them what to do as much as to just kind of show them the map so that they can make those connections, which you did, which I think is pretty, pretty powerful uh, in terms of showing people the, you have some, some phone, some phone uh, interaction. We have the band coming in place, but Speaking of, speaking of, there you go, right there. It's a good synchronicity, but it's, but the, that's an example of, of the practical application of coming here, which is, which is where people are tapping into things, they're getting insights, and then what you did is you acted upon it, which is awesome. When I was leaving, it felt like a goal I had to attend. It felt like I had to do something about it. The experience I had floating there was that my arms were just saw myself without menus. A powerful image. Kind Where of, I shook my arms just to, to realize that they were there. It was a little jarring. Yeah. So there's something to this. There is, yeah. Now I want to just fast forward a little bit to this last piece, which I think is very relevant. Can you talk a little bit about what happened in terms of uh, what you talked about when you came in today in terms of your wife's father and what went on there and what happened this past weekend? Well, sure, the Sunday. So sun, this past Sunday Sunday's was the Sunday. actual renewal of the vows. December 7th at 3.30. I had invited guests. But I couldn't make it because I was teaching a class on introduction to rewriting. So, which was you know, it was good that I was there, but I did want to be there. I was there in spirit. There were people that are significant in our life, in my life. Won't speak in generality. Won't speak. Basically, it's way by some business associates were friendly. Some made it. Some didn't. Point is, they were invited. Uh, so we all met at the Congregational Church in Derby, Maryland. Interesting, though, what happened earlier in the day during the service. I actually
actually join that church. That's great. Same minister who brought me into the pulpit. Help me bring my wife back. Uh, the ceremony was beautiful, I thought. And uh, so did many of the guests. And it's been videos and pictures All that's made in the process. I thought it important that I show family and friends and those that were watching that I still love this lady as I did in the beginning. And show her. Show her. Yeah. And, and yourself, I think, too. One of the things that this, when I began that planning, I called her father. 92 year old Scott Without the kilt. Without the kilt. <laughs> Although very proud of his Fraser clan. <laughs> <laughs> I asked him, I said, uh, I want you to do me a favor. What's that? I'd like you to walk your daughter down the aisle. Are we little? Or not? He said, I'd be glad to. And why is that important? Why is that a powerful statement right there? Because 42 years ago, he wasn't at our wedding. Nor was his wife. Why? A lot of changes in 42 years. Raised children. Raised three sons. All adults. Their own children. But he, he had a hard time accepting... Accepting the the coming together of people from different races, the same as the the Catholic Church did, the same as all these other entities did. Back then, he had a hard time with that. The way you're saying is that what what the two of you did is you said again, like our love is stronger than all of that, and we're going to do it anyways. And you have shown him, well, and lots of other people, lots of other. You've shown him what 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 there is between the two of you, and which isn't just about the two of you, but about the family that you've created and this community that you're a part of. That in your relationship is an important part of that community. So, so he has come a long way, it appears. But you you also took him through that journey. You didn't just sit back and say, "Oh, you know." We can't with this. We said, no, we're gonna, and, and we're, we're, we're just gonna be who we are and, and just sit back and watch. That's powerful. I mean, that's, that's really powerful. I think it's more the, the actual important facet of that day. Uh, my father in law was able to walk his first born child, his first little girl, down the aisle well, in his life. That's right, yeah, and the thing is, is he was always able to, but it's just he wasn't, he, he was always able to, but he, but, he, but because of what went on within him, he, he, he wouldn't. And so what you did in this event that happened this past Sunday was that the event not only sh showed your wife and yourself what there is between the two of you, but it gave him this opportunity to resolve that. Because I'm sure all these years that has really bothered him, and 
had fathered your wife and has fathered so many people in the family, I'm sure, including yourself. So the, that that event had many pieces to it, and that was definitely a significant piece. Because even in hearing you talk about it, I can I can hear in your voice the the, the resolution. Yeah. That's beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful doesn't really describe it. It's you know, that angel told me the same thing. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. It's no, I, I, I had a conversation with my mother not long ago. I said, Mom, do you believe in angels? She said, I'm out. It's 86 years old. I said, of course. How do you know, Mom? She says, oh, first of all, angels come incognito. They don't dress. They call on the phone sometimes, too. Angels angels call on the phone. It's like, wait, we're you're right. calling me at just the right time. We're, we're going to be finished in just a minute, so. Uh, I got it. But anyways, go ahead. Said that the angels are not, uh, you know, as they depict angels, feathers with wings and feathers, lily white. Angels come in, I mean, you're not always going to know who the angels are. My view is this is a daughter of a minister, a wife of a minister, a sister of several ministers, telling me that. There's more to this than there's more to life than what you see. That's a powerful statement that just happened a couple weeks ago. That's very powerful. Yeah, and, and what it points at, I think, is this interconnectivity that exists among all people and how we need one another to, to get through life. And we don't always realize the impact that we're having on other people. You might not even be aware of the ways in which you've helped people, but I can definitely say for me, and even for the people listening to this, that that story, all of this, the story of you opening up your intuition, going to the church, coming to IFLO, floating, um, renewing your, your vows, calling, Calling your wife's father, giving him that opportunity to to resolve things with 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 his daughter. Those are all really powerful things. But you you were playing that role of, of angel or, or facilitator, whatever you want to call it, in in all of that. And as were other people, and we're all helping one another create these experiences so that we can we can maintain relationship. Because one of the things we talked about before we went into flow today was how it's not about, well, I can't remember what you said, but what I talked about is that relationships are have to be maintained the way a gardener maintains a garden. We have to look at the soil, we have to examine it, we have to add water, examine the plants, pull up the weeds, and that's true in, in any relationship. It's, it's, not, it's not a one-shot thing, it's not always clear. There, there, there are shadowy places and bright places and places that get damaged, and, and that's what you demonstrated, and that's why I wanted you to talk about this, because it's a powerful story on so many levels. And when I say story, I mean your life. And both back then, when you and your wife took a stand 
for love and, and for what you wanted to create together. And then also recently coming to iFlow where, where you came here to get assistance so that you could continue to take that stand. Because that's really what you've done is, is you, you've used this place to continue to take that stand because you've experienced some curveballs recently and you needed some assistance to continue to do that work or not work, but to continue to live the way that you, yeah, it's work, but it's, it's life. Life is work. Um, but I think that that's really powerful. And I think, I think we're going to end it here. We can have you on, on the podcast another time to, to continue as I'm sure there'll be lots of interesting stories as things unfold. But I just want to thank you, Dennis, for taking the time to be here and to come to iFlow. I've really enjoyed having you come and experience iFlow and just really use what this place is about to to fully live your life. And uh, for those... Those early marks said that, you know, listening. Yeah, well, you do listen. That's the power. That's what I appreciate about you is that you listen. And you listen, you take on different points of view, which is pretty awesome. And, and for those of you listening, I think that you probably got some different points of view listening to this podcast. I encourage those of you who are listening to come in and float. You can visit our website, ifloatct.com, and also go to the iTunes location where the iFloat Radio podcast is and, and leave a review and write about your experience and listening to this and your experience of floating and, and help us spread the word about the podcast and also about floating. And I look forward to seeing you all at the next podcast. Have a wonderful day. This has been a DSCT.TV production.